Welcome to Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I'm Jim Grant, and uh, with me is the usual cast of characters plus one. I'll get around to the plus one, our most welcome guest in just a second. Uh, I think I would say sitting to my left, but I'm not actually here. I am at a remote location that for reasons of uh, security really can't be disclosed just now. But uh, sitting to my left is Eric Whitehead at the controls. Opposite him, Phil Grant, the uh, editor of the indispensable Almost Daily Grants, your daily companion to the financial markets. Yours for the asking, by the way. And next to Phil is Evan Lorenz, the great Evan Lorenz, deputy editor of Grant. And our guest today is John Boyer, who is an independent thinker with an emphasis on patience. So we're going to talk about patience in just a moment. And by the way, you can just wait a little bit for the discussion of patience, right? There's, <laughs> nobody needs to be in a hurry. There's no rush. No. And John is, uh, is uh, well, he has something in common with the editor of Grant. He is married to a, a medical doctor which is, I think, a great thing in life. He is a recovering lawyer. He was a lawyer, but now he is, uh, has joined the, the elite of the intellectual world, a financial analyst and, uh, and portfolio manager. And portfolio, I don't know, John, are you a portfolio supervisor, manager? Manager, you know, jack manager. of all trades. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cornell man as well. Let's see. I think the way to begin is, first of all, to uh, thank a couple of our sponsors, and then we'll get back to them in just a moment. Zip Recruiter is one, the sated Zip Recruiter, and the Financial Careers is the second. Equally sated, we'll be talking about them in the fullness of time. Hey, uh, uh, John, tell us a little bit about your approach to things. Um, if you could give us the Cliff Notes version of how you approach an equity market that is very heavily dominated by indexation. How do you add value to a world that would seem to be just happy as it is? That, that's a great question. I mean, we have two kind of sides of the house. We're a money management firm as well as a independent research boutique since 1975. And how do we add value is we go outside the mainstream. So in, in response to your question is if, if everyone is looking at companies inside the major indices and kind of, you know, right now we have a little bit of what, what uh, our founder Mark likes to call fang envy, uh, because those certainly have done, you know, have performed the best over the last couple of years. But we have a an extremely strong belief that over the next couple of years, stocks outside the S&P 500 or any other kind of major indices will do the best, partially because their um, stocks within the S&P 500, um, or at least the, you know, the top 10, have been artificially inflated due to forced buying by, by institutions. You know, I, I, was, I was looking through a, a piece of research you kindly forwarded to us, Boyer's Index Orphan. And in it, I see that um, there is a substantial universe of companies uh, outside the index world, including about six, 750 uh, with market caps uh, greater than a billion dollars, and uh, no fewer than, what, 60 or so uh, that have market caps in excess of $10 billion. So it's, it's not as if uh, we're talking about uh, you know, nano caps. Right? These are substantial businesses that somehow have slipped through the net of the, of the indexed world. And I'm, I want to ask you, what are the characteristics of these non-indexed businesses? Are they necessarily cheaper than the indexed ones? Are they, are they not covered so so widely by the analytical community. What is it about them that makes them at least prospectively interesting investments? Well, I think valuation is certainly that they are a bit 
cheaper. But as, as you mentioned, these are real companies. This is not nano or, or micro cap land for one reason or the other. They're outside of the major indices because the S&P 500 or the S&P uh, committee has specific rules, which they're pretty strict on, on whether uh, you know tracking stocks are not permitted to be part of the S&P 500. So a lot of the John Malone type companies are excluded. Um, other companies that have you know high insider ownership or not domiciled in the U.S. are not eligible for uh, in-debt inclusion. So it really doesn't say anything about the fundamentals of the underlying business. So it's a great place to start where you look at those 750 names and then kind of go from there and go stock by stock and look for interesting companies. And you know the catalyst doesn't have to be in index inclusion because some of them just will not be eligible for it. But as you mentioned, uh, newer increased sell-side coverage is one way. Um, and there might not be a specific catalyst, but we have a, a long-held belief that if you know public markets do not recognize the disconnect between the company's share price and intrinsic value, an acquirer would. And a lot of the names that we look at end up um, being acquired. Uh, so if you're patient, this could be a great place to invest. Well, patience. I don't know about uh, you, Phil and Evan, but I'm all for patience. You know, in other people, it's, it's fine. But for me, I have, you know, you have to have things right now, John. You can't wait around for them. And I'm, I would like to ask Evan and Phil to discuss with you in a kind of a more granular. Here I am uh, in a freezing cold upstate New York County and to, uh, to finish off a writing project. And sitting next to you are two people who I think are right now tapping their feet. And they need, they need your help with the idea of, of patience. And I want you to help them and me too, John, to understand how one becomes patient and what patience brings to the investment results. I think patience is the most important part of the investment process. And I think that's something that can't really be taught. You just have, it's, you're either born with it or not. And I think one of the problems with a lot of hedge fund and mutual funds who are, who are our clients is their clients want them to make money every single quarter. And for people who can afford not to be part of that group, they're at a significant competitive advantage. So if you can withstand some temporary pain for longer term gain, you're you're in a terrific position. And, you know, that's what we try to do. And we're looking at everything from a two, three, four year time horizon as opposed to what's going to make money over the next six months, because I haven't the foggiest idea what will. Yeah. So I, I guess that patience is a prized uh, personality characteristic, perhaps especially in one's limited partners, right? Absolutely. I think that's you need to have the right partners. You absolutely do. I think it's critical important. Having the wrong partners is could be detrimental to not only your financial well-being, but your other partners' well-being. So you have to choose the right investors and not chase the hot money. It, to me, it would be better to have a, a business predicated on you know people who are willing to give you a three, four, five-year time horizon than a bunch of people who are going to bail out uh, at the worst possible time. You know, pa patience, um, come to think of it, uh, Evan, must be the uh, the rarest personality characteristic nowadays. I'm thinking of two things. I'm thinking, first of all, Amazon Prime. The, the, uh, the out-of-control success of Amazon Prime would seem to speak to the impetuosity of uh, the 21st century human being. That's one thing. The second thing is negative nominal interest rates. I mean, John and Evan, the whole idea of interest rates is they're positive, especially over the long term, because uh, they represent the uh, the yield or the return to, to patients, right? They are the return to people who are prepared to wait for a reward as opposed to those who, who need to have it immediately. So the borrowers of the world are the impetuous ones. They need the money right now to either do something consequential or perhaps to just increase their 
their consumption, right? So the lenders are the provident ones. They are prepared to de defer and delay pleasure. And for that item of virtue, they are paid a return, and the return we call the rate of interest. And here, how many, Evan, how many, how many trillions of dollars worth of securities, sovereign securities, are priced below zero in nominal terms? It's, I think it's fewer trillions than before, but still a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I think it was, I think it's less than 10 trillion now. I, I think in the, in the last two weeks, like we've actually lost like a trillion dollars worth of uh, negative yielding securities. So it seems like a lot of money. Even if you say it fast. Yeah. So it's an impetuous world. People, people, you know, are, are, uh, are not inclined to wait, especially in a bull market. I, I turned on the television this morning. Either way, I, I wasn't idly watching it. I was on a, on a rolling machine. So there's some, you know, it's, 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 a, it's okay then. And I, I turn on, fine, I turn on CNBC. And wouldn't you know, the Dow is up like 250 before the opening. That's before people have brushed their teeth. It's extraordinary. So in that environment, John, how do you, how do you stand apart from the crowd and tell your presumably patients, but not infinitely patient investors that uh, they shouldn't buy the stocks that everyone else is buying and that are going up at the gate of 250 Dow points a day, every, you know, not every day, but some days. How do you how do you get this message across and how successful is the messaging? Not as su successful as I would like it to be, but I think you just have to, you know, obviously past performance is not indicative of future results. But if you just tell them what happened in 1975 and in 1999, 2000, and try and educate them that stocks are in a one-way street and you know it's great to try and make money really quickly but it, it's not a successful recipe for for, for long-term success so you know to us right now the um you know the fangs the quote-unquote fang stocks are eerily remnant of the nifty 50 stocks uh and somewhat uh as well the you know the dot-com stocks as well and we know how that party ended and sometimes uh the message gets across most most of the time it doesn't but you have to do your best and for us as you know research providers and money managers the the most important thing is not to deviate from a style that has served us well for a long period of time and and we won't deviate. Well, uh, yeah i i want to i want in just one moment i want to ask you and i think evan wants to ask you as well how you go about culling this list of possible investment uh investable stocks down to the ones that you actually choose to own but first i'd like to say a couple of words about a very fine outfit called the zip recruiter and it will be followed by some equally fine and sincere words for e-financial careers well ladies and gentlemen you know how hard it is to uh get the right people for your business very difficult indeed a zip recruiter has uh, transformed the uh, uh, the way that you go about finding these people. So ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. And then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Uh, no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter the smartest way to hire. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries. Find the most qualified candidates with immediate results. And uh, right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, F-R-E-E. -E. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. One more time to try it for free. 
go to ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. Well, thank you, eFinancial Careers, for contributing to this episode of the Grants Interest Rate Observer podcast. eFinancial Careers is the world's leading financial services career website. Discover career-changing opportunities across the industry from leading brands to niche firms. Why not take the hard work out of job hunting? Register today to let recruiters find you. You can create a profile to let recruiters easily match you to their open roles, save jobs, and create alerts. To stay informed of the latest opportunities, upload your resume and cover letter to quickly apply for jobs. Check out the site at efinancialcareers.com. That's efinancialcareers.com. Okay. So, John, you have a list of 750 names that are not over-indexed and over-owned. How do you drill down to exciting ideas? Are you looking at just cheap multiples or where there's change in terms of whether it's management or something in the industry? What is that you, you look for to find something that you find compelling? I wish it was a process that wasn't so manual. Unfortunately, it is a very manual process and it's it's reading, being curious. Uh, we don't have a proprietary algorithm, but we look at stocks in a, in a few different types of framework. You know, we we look for companies with hidden assets. You know, that's something that we, you know, have had a lot of success in over the years. That's looking for companies uh, that have an asset on its balance sheet that due to ca- gap accounting are not properly reflected. And that brought us to a company like Madison Square Garden, which uh, is not in any of the major indices for, for a variety of reasons, partially because of the, uh, you know, family control of, 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 the, of the Dolan family. But Madison Square Garden happens to own the air rights above Madison and Square Garden, which are extremely valuable that are worth, um, you know, probably in excess of $500 million that are not reflected on the company's balance sheet. So that, that's one type of example. Or we look for great consumer franchises that are masked by a corporate name. You know, that, that, that's another thing uh, that, that we look for. We look for spin-outs. They, you find a lot of value there. So that brings us to a company like Conduent, which um, is not in any of the major indices. It's a stock that is a business processing outsourcing company. It's 9% owned by Carl Icahn. It was a former Xerox spin-out and under uh, uh, part of Xerox, and it it was neglected. And it has the classic spin-out characteristics uh, that, you know, that will make it, a, we think, a successful investment. It was under-managed uh, under the Xerox umbrella. It has one of the lowest margins in the industry. And we think that over the next couple of years, you know, now that it's an independent company and more focused, it, it will do extremely well. And you have an activist involved and you have a CEO who's highly incentivized to create value for shareholders. So th- those are ways we call the list. Uh, John, most of those things you named are kind of idiosyncratic, like very specific to each of the stocks. Are you finding anything thematic that's interesting, like a subsector or a sector that's cheap or compelling or where there's change where you think that there might be a lot of value in lot going forward? Is, is I mean, is most of this kind of just, you know, onesie twosies or is it broader themes that you're actually exploiting? You know, we look for sectors that are out of favor, you know, areas, you know, media. Are there any sectors out of favor in the market today? Uh, I, I think media is, is pretty is pretty out of favor. Um, I, I would say that that would be, um, you know, some retailers are certainly out of favor, you know, looking for retailers that have a, a reason to exist and that can coexist with, with Amazon. It doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be in or outside the major indices, but this is a manual process and that's what makes makes it difficult. And, you know, you have to go through the list one by one. um, And it takes, you know, a lot of intellectual manpower to to do that. 
Um, but yeah, no, you can't just look for stocks that are you know trading at cheap multiples because you know maybe that will or won't won't work. But a company like Madison Square Garden or a Liberty Braves, for example, is never going to screen cheap. So you're going to miss these terrific opportunities if you just look for the cheapest companies. And sometimes things are cheap for a reason. Hey, John, this is uh, Jim Grant. Tell us about uh, uh, the competition for kind of research. Are you up against artificial intelligence? Are you up against algos that, in fact, are capable of reading documents that uh, uh, can screen very quickly for uh, hidden assets? Is this something that, uh, that humans have a perpetual edge for, or is there a looming threat from the machine? I mean, I that, that's a terrific question. I think right now, AI is not going to be able to find and maybe, maybe they can. I, I, this is certainly not my field, but find that you know Madison Square Garden, the air rights above it are not properly reflected on the balance sheet. Maybe that's something that's 5, 10, 15 years away. But for right now, it's, you know, the, the competition is just anyone willing to go through the 10Ks and the Qs and trade pubs and look for these anomalies. But, you know, obviously no one can tell what the future will hold. Uh, but I just find it hard to believe that, um, you know, there's AI that can, can do this at this point in time. How, how, how many of these anomalies um, are you able to surface? Are, you, are we talking about, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a dozen, three dozen, a couple of hundred? How many, how many stocks like this, like Madison Square Garden, like Conjunet, can you uh, find? You know, in a given year, you know, through our research publication, we probably publish, let's say, 40, 40 ideas or so. So, you know, some of them are new, some of them are, you know, material changes. So it's, you know, obviously in markets like this, it's harder. Uh, and maybe upside is not as, as great as uh, it will be during um, 2008, 2009. But, you know, we're able to find these these names that are just, you know, under-owned and are cheap. But yeah, it's times like this make it make it harder. Well, John Boyer, it has been terrific talking with you. And I know, I, I'm not sure if you're the last guy standing who stands for patience, but you are a rare breed indeed. You and the Boyer Enterprise, very rare breed. So we are privileged to have had you and uh, talking with you. And thanks for being with us. And we do have a uh, one one little uh, nugget for our listeners. Anyone who's interested in um, in learning more about uh, his ideas can can go to the website boyerresearch.com slash grants. There's a, a free sample of his Index Orphans report available for uh, for grants listeners. So, oh, terrific. Uh, well, thank you, John. That's B-O-Y-A-R, correct? Yes, boyarresearch.com. Th- th- Excellent. Well, thank you very much. That is not only patience, but generous. So thanks to two of the great virtues <laughs> in one guy. <laughs> th- thank you very much for your time. Great to have you, John. Talk to you soon. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us. Until next time, this is Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. 